Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello, and thank you once again for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today, our guest is somebody I love dearly, and I am so very fortunate to have her in my world, the lovely and talented Yvonne Bastin. Thank you for joining us, Yvonne. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tammy. I'm very excited to be here with you today. So, Yvonne, tell us, what is your business? What do you do? Well, as a true entrepreneur, I do a couple of different things. Um, I run uh, a eWomen Network chapter here in Calgary. Um, eWomen Network is a North America-wide networking organization for women entrepreneurs. And um, I've been doing that for the last five years uh, and still going strong with that. Um, and then I also uh, started a new venture. Um, I aim a guide for women, um, supporting them in both life and business. Um, I take them on a either a six months or a one year journey. Um, and and you know sometimes it will be helping them get unstuck uh, if they feel stuck. Sometimes it's um, you know dealing with uh, some old trauma that uh, that actually keeps them stuck without them realizing that that's what it's that's what's happening. So it's uh yeah it's a wonderful it's I'm still kind of discovering what what exactly direction it's going to go in but uh, that's definitely what I'm um what my future path will be. Well that that's that's part of the joy of entrepreneurship because very few people end up where they thought they were going to be when they started because they the path changes and different things open up and you discover you don't like certain things and you like other things better and it's just it's never dull. <laughs> It sure is not. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I see that a lot, of course, through my work in, uh, within the UMN Network organization. And, and it's just, you know, it's just buckle up and then enjoy the ride, I always say. So I, I, I've had to teach many people that uh, success is learning to surf the chaos. Yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and what is your family situation, Yvonne? Um, I'm divorced and have been divorced for quite a few years now, since 2005. And, uh, I have two sons, uh, with my former husband. Um, a, uh, Freddie is almost 28. He'll be 28 in a few weeks. And, um, my youngest son will be following with a birthday in August, about two weeks later, and he'll be 26 this year. Oh and his name is Rob. And you're not originally from Canada, are you? No, I was actually born and raised in uh, the Netherlands. 
So, yeah, and then my former husband was in the oil industry, so we lived and traveled around in different countries and places around the world, and in the end decided to immigrate to Canada in 2000. So so you've had the the pleasure of of living and experiencing different cultures all over the place? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, for sure. We lived in... uh, I started out in Paris in uh, 1988. Uh, my oldest son, Freddie, was born there uh, towards the end of our um, journey there. We were only there for about a year. And um, then I actually went home back to the Netherlands for a few months um, while my then husband went to our next destination and kind of got that ready for us um, because there was a fair amount of stuff that needed to be done to the house. Um uh, in Nigeria. So we lived in Nigeria for four years. And then from there, we went back to the Netherlands for about two and a half years, moved three times within that time span. And then we went to um, a pretty sudden move to uh, Norway, uh, Stavanger. And I literally had two weeks to get everything um, ready to move. And so uh, that was that was quite a challenge, uh, but we did it. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who really, really helped me out, and I don't think I could have done it without her because during those two weeks, I also got this really nasty flu, bug, whatever it was, and then my youngest one got it as well, and I was so sick. And, uh, and what happened then actually was that I, um, I'd gone to the doctor and I said, you know, to the doctor, I have to have drugs. Give me something. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just not, you know, started taking, uh, a certain kind of antibiotics and I was taking it, taking it and nothing was changing. And, but I just kept taking it. And it wasn't until I actually, you know, woke up the, ne- uh, once I had moved to Norway and I woke up the next day in my hotel that I was like, all right, this is not making sense. I've been on these drugs now for like a week almost, and I'm still feeling like horrible. What if the drugs are not working or if I'm allergic to the drugs yeah. or whatever? And I literally cold turkey stopped with them and I instantly almost felt better. So, oh. <laughs> Hey, well, if, if yeah. that's going to happen, that's, that's, that's a good thing. So yeah. with, with, with you, Living in different countries and and having to raise children in all these different countries and stuff. What were some of the things that you noticed were different about how the different cultures handled and talked about money? Well, there. Um, when we were in Nigeria, uh, the and I think people, even Nigerians, will totally agree with me on this. The money was really dirty. Like it, like it's literally the money makes you feel icky. Oh. <laughs> It's worth nothing for starters. And uh, I think that, you know, even got worse uh, since we left. Um, but the, um, the it was kind of this known little fact that women, um, like women, you know, like uh, that would sell, you know, their wares on the streets at the markets and stuff like that. They oftentimes would kind of safe keep um, their money in unusual places. Oh. And I'm not, and I'm not saying in the upper body area. <laughs> oh. Very unique. I'm kind of glad. Um, I don't think it might like a change purse, but <laughs> so that was one of those things where you know, I, I, any time I touched money there, literally, I, you know, I had to wash my hands and always had, you know, like stuff with me to make sure that I could, you know, um, 
clean my hands before, you know, doing anything else. So, um, but yeah, so that was a country where you would have, you know, like big wads of, of money with you and really didn't have money with you, if you know what I mean, right? Like it was just, you know, like how Italy used to be way back in the day where they, when they, before the Euro, when they had the lira and the lira, lira wasn't worth, worth anything. So you had like a hundred thousand lira on you that was like worth 10 bucks kind of thing. So, uh, Nigeria was kind of the same in that sense. So if, if the money didn't have much value there, and yes, there's definitely some economies around the world, like I just think of Zimbabwe that was dealing with like inflation in the hundreds of millions, like it was just ridiculous. How did they work around that? Like, so how did people get the goods and services they need if the money was basically worthless? Like they, they literally just carried around a lot of money and they just don't, you know, um, like the, the, the stuff is valued differently too, right? When stuff is, uh, you know, when you have such a discrepancy between the, the whole currency issue, but the, um, um, people would just, you know, carry boatloads of money with them when they would go just gro- even just grocery shopping. They weren't buying a TV. They were just going in for a loaf of bread, but they had to, you know, basically carry a U-Haul behind them to pay for it. Did, did you find in Nigeria that, like, the barter economy was a lot stronger because of things like that? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, you wouldn't outright, unless you were in a grocery store, but if you were to go to any of the markets and stuff like that, you would barter constantly. Like, you would never buy anything for face value. Yep, and was there a lot of, like, trading? Like, um, you give me a pig and I'll give you, like, six chickens or whatever it would be? Uh, that may have happened in other areas, more in the rural areas, but I was in the big city in Lagos, uh, so that was not. No, you would actually, if you wanted something, you had to actually pay for it. Okay. Yeah. And and so other than Nigeria, what were some of the other differences? Because you lived in a bunch, like a few different countries and raising kids. Well, we, oh yeah, we were in uh in Singapore, the last two years before moving to Canada, so uh, we moved to Canada in 2000, and uh, the two years prior to that, we were in Singapore. So totally different economy, right? Like there, over there, um, everything, and in Norway as well, uh, everything is very expensive. Um, definitely in in Norway, uh, like when you go to a grocery store. At one time, um, I went to the grocery store and I. I'd actually I've been thinking about dinner, you know, what to to have for dinner, and I was like, I'm really craving Wiener Schnitzels, and I went, you know, I was in the store and looked around in the meat department, and lo and behold, they had a little package, two little Schnitzels, and they were like, I started back in the day, I, you know, in those days, I was still converting often um because I, I hadn't i've only lived i only lived in norway for four months so i i was it was in that four months time well we were supposed to be there for a couple of years but then after three and a half months he came home and said you're not gonna like what i have to say which was kind of code for we're moving yeah <laughs> and um so it was in that four months time span that i uh, did this purchase and I, I you know when i would just arrive somewhere i would still do play the conversion game at one point you give up you don't yeah. do that you just buy whatever you need and don't you know don't really worry about what it actually actually costs so it doesn't drive you crazy yeah so yeah so you don't go bananas definitely in in when you live in economies where something is like 
can be potentially super expensive. So I literally paid $25 for two schnitzels. Oh, my. <laughs> I know. And I was just, I, you know, I and I just, I really didn't get care because I, I was too lazy to make them myself. And I, and I was really craving them. And I was like, well, what the heck, you know, and the kids were still a lot younger back then. So, you know, you just, you know, you just grab it. And I, they were not huge eaters. So I was like, well, we can, and they were not that big either. So I was like, well, we can make this work. We can stretch this a little bit. And at least I can get my little schnitzel, you know, kick. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, Singapore, for instance, is is a, a super, super expensive place. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I loved living there. I would go back in a heartbeat. Um, and it's, you know, if you... For, you know, for, for local people, it's, um, you know, they have to, they have to succeed in life in order to be able to, you know, have a, a decent living. Um, because, you know, like it, it was nothing to, for a fairly simple condo to have, if you would, were to purchase the condo, having to put down like a million dollars. Um, and the Singapore dollar is actually quite equivalent to the Canadian dollar. So, that's a lot of money for, you know, a relatively simple condo. Um, you know, cars, vehicles were incredibly expensive there. Um, people would pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for like a Mercedes or something like that. Um, like way more expensive than here. And, and with the boys going through, like growing up, going through all these different places and stuff like that, did they ever mention anything to you or ask questions about the differences? When we were in Nigeria, they were still fairly little because my oldest one started living there. He was only a few months old and he was about just over four years old when we left. Um, so, and I never really had them touch the money or anything like that, you know. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, like I said before, it was, it was, uh, like I, it still gives me the heebie jeebies just to even think about it. But then when they, you know, when, when we changed countries, um, you know, when we went, for instance, to, to sing or, um, well, even in, uh, in Norway when they, they were a little older and, and, you know, stuff like that. So I was able to, you know, you start showing them the different currencies and, you know, they, um, because they now had lived before we went to, uh, Norway, we had lived in, in the, in the Netherlands for a little while. So, you know, they knew that, um, and back then, that was still the guilder as well. It wasn't uh, the euro um, that came afterwards. And so, you know, they they could tell, you know, the difference between one currency and the other. And, and I would, you know, I would tell them when we were living in um, both in Singapore and in Norway, we would, we wouldn't have endless discussions around money, but we would have, you know, I would say, you know, like this is compared to other places in the world. You know, this is a really expensive country. And, and uh, you know, we... We we're, we don't just run out and buy stuff um, like we, for instance, in Nigeria, you could just run out and buy stuff because stuff was just so cheap because the money wasn't worth anything. But um, but when you you know live in places like Norway and and Singapore, um, you know you're mindful, more mindful when you purchase stuff, kind of thing. Mm, okay. And were were you living in Europe at all when the euro came in? No. No, I don't think so. I, I I can't remember where I was living at the time that it changed, but um, I was definitely not there when it changed because it was like a I. It wasn't until I traveled to the Netherlands that I got introduced to the euro. 
Um, I was definitely living overseas. I would have to look up which year they changed and I would be able to tell where I was. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, it was, it, it changed while I was away. And what were some of the biggest changes in, in terms of like the, the, the money and the culture around money that you discovered when you love moved to our beautiful, beautiful Canada? Well, it's colorful and pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's just the, that's just the people. What about the country? <laughs> the country is, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like coming from, um, well, even in, in Singapore where the country is the city is the country kind of thing, right? Like it's, it's not very big. Um, and, and, and a lot more people than we do. And a lot more people. And the same for the Netherlands, right? Like the Netherlands fits in between, basically between Calgary and Eppington, uh, north, south, and then east, west, kind of a similar distance, uh, with 17 million people living there. So, um, one of the first things that somebody that comes from a nation like that will notice is just the vast, the sheer, you know, the size of the country, right? Like just even, you know, driving around here in Alberta and you could drive, you know, for quite some time and not bump into anybody and just a sheer distance. And we measure everything by hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so true. And if you, you know, I, um, when I used to live in Paris, um, when we started living there, we were, uh, very aware that we were moving to, um, Nigeria after the one year in Paris. So, um, we took quite a few opportunities to, you know, go back and forth between Paris and, and home, um, because we knew that once we were in Africa, we wouldn't have that luxury. And, um, it was literally four hours from door to door, um, from my mom's place in The Hague to, um, our apartment in, uh, in Paris. And, you know, so you've left the Netherlands. You've driven all through Belgium and through the northern part of France, and that was four hours. <laughs> well, you know, like, look what you can do here in four hours. <laughs> yeah, my mother is, is is four and a half hours, basically straight north. And I have wow. my, my brother, if I wanted to drive to see him, it would be four days driving. If I wanted to get no sleep whatsoever, you could do it in three. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's hard to imagine for... Um, for people, you know, even if when I post sometimes something on Facebook and other people, you know, family or friends in, in, in Europe will see those posts and they kind of go like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> like this is unreal. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, they think that everything is so much closer. And if I say, well, you know, they say, well, yeah, Vancouver, you know, that doesn't look that far on the map. I said, that's a 12-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, and that's if all traffic is good. You don't have any construction. You don't have any avalanches, no washouts. And they like, you know, we're in Africa, you know, in 12 hours. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a totally different world, right? So. Oh, yes, geographically. But like you said, thinking about money in the culture, is there anything that you noticed that was kind of unique or stood out to you when you moved over? Um, we, we don't keep our money in interesting places like they do in Nigeria, but <laughs> no, you don't. Um, no, there was not a, a huge, um, you know, there wasn't a huge difference in the sense of um, when you look at, you know, when you when I was in Nigeria, like I said, you know, like I had money 
you know, like lots of money on me all the time when I would go grocery shopping and, um, and, and that was an adventure on its own. Um, and of course, you know, if here it's similar to, you know, some of the other more civilized places in the world where, you know, you just have a couple of notes, you know, in your, in your wallet. And, and other than that, you, um, you know, most of the stuff is done via debit or credit card kind of thing. So it's actually rare nowadays that I even carry cash on me. So it's, um, you know, money wise, it's a, it's a, you know, as, as a lot of other places in the world, it's just an easy, um, you know, easily, uh, how would you say that? Um, easy way of transaction, right? Like it's not, you know, uh, because at the time when I was living in Nigeria, I'm not too sure what it is now. Um, uh, but you know, like things like debit card or credit card, you didn't have that over there, right? Like you, um, you would literally, it was a cash kind of, uh, society. So, um, here you, you don't have that. Well, I'm still, I'm still floored. Like when, when I used to travel down to the States and I go down there and they, they, it's cash or credit. They don't, they're just starting to get into debit. And a lot of the time they still don't understand what that means. They are so far behind the rest of the world on that front. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, yeah. So, for here, I, I just love the convenience of, of doing debit and credit. And, and the Netherlands is the same. Uh, like debit in Netherlands, in the Netherlands has been around for a long time. Uh, I want to say it's kind of similar to here where, you know, checks are kind of a thing of the past. Um, you know, if people, if I need to pay you for something, I do an e-transfer. And there's places on this planet where that would be like, what's that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm, you mean I'm not giving you like, you know, 20 bills for this? Yeah. No, no, no. You just send me money online and. And I'll, and I'll accept it on my smartphone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so our society, you know, when it comes to money and finances and stuff like that, it's all built on convenience, right? Very, very, very much so. To finish up here, like, I know your boys are adults and stuff like that. Well, 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 adults, they're, they're off on their own and, and finish university and stuff like that. But if you could make sure that they know three lessons about money, what three things would you want your boys to know? It doesn't grow on trees. You know, save, save your money, um, or save slash invest your money so that, you know, it can grow and, um, and don't, uh, put it all in one spot. Those are definitely some good lessons. So thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day in order to chat with us. You're so very welcome. It was my honor and pleasure. All right. Have a good day, Yvonne. You too. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. 
For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.